Well, I guess you've noticed there's a few uh, characters up on the stage here this morning that suddenly appeared in the midst of the uh, announcements. Uh, the light gave the light inside of them gave them away, I guess. But if you look around at Christmas time, if you look around at the malls and you look around in people's yards, you look around on TV. I mean, you really can't help but but escape. You can't escape. You can't help but miss. Um, these variety of Christmas decorations that are reflective of the season that we're in. Um, this candy cane certainly is kind of a symbol of Christmas that people like to uh, uh, display. Christmas trees certainly in homes, ornaments all over the place. The list goes on and on. You can't escape the trappings of Christmas. And as you see here on this platform, we have three of probably the more iconic figures of Christmas, at least to the secular world, we have the Grinch and his trusty sidekick, Max. We have uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and his nose is lighting up, as you can see. And then certainly, probably the most iconic of the secular uh, symbols of Christmas is Santa Claus. Um, an icon, I looked up the definition of icon, by the way, and I find it to be interesting. An icon is a likeness or an image of a person or a thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of great respect or reverence. That's what an icon is. Now an icon is uh, to some people for Christmas these. There's respect and reverence and, and different things about certain, maybe not so much the Grinch, but certainly the other two. But we know as Christians, the most iconic, the iconic symbol of Christmas is Jesus in a manger, in the manger scene. And we just, I just love it when I drive by a house or I see a manger scene lit up and done well, you know, and it just glorifies the Lord. I, I think that, uh, actually Emma mentioned that, Terry, you have a, uh, a symbol that says Jesus is the reason for the season in the front of your house. And I love things like that, you know. Uh, but, but, of course, not... Everybody believes that the most iconic symbol, at least certainly people in the world don't believe that the manger scene is the most iconic symbol. I know that there's some people that actually resonate with the Grinch. Uh, he, he's, he's for people that maybe that for whatever reason might struggle with Christmas. I don't know, maybe, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're struggling and have struggled in years past with Christmas. There's Rudolph over here. He resonates with the underdog in our society. He resonates with those that are the underappreciated and maybe the marginalized for us who still yet have hope in their hearts that they'll be recognized and valued. And maybe Santa resonates with some that are watching here today and some in our, certainly in our, in our society. They resonate with people who love the idea of an altruistic person who gives gifts to those who are good and who are worthy. Now, these three symbols up here, and actually I'll include Max with the Grinch, so we'll just put them as a package. And I'll get to Santa and Rudolph in the next couple of weeks, but today I want to talk about the Grinch. This grumpy, odd, mean, green person who in the end had his shriveled up heart grow three sizes in one magnificent, life-changing moment. The Grinch. You've heard of the Grinch. He has a pretty famous song written about him, and it's been played on the radio and on, you name it, all kinds of places during this season. In fact, I want to play about a 30-second excerpt of it. If you will dim the lights, I just want you to get an idea of who this 
this mean green person is that we're going to be talking about today. Listen to this. None of those attributes, yeah, you can, yeah, none of those attributes are really good. And the song continues to talk about how awful he is and all the different awful characteristic, character qualities of his life. And whether it's the Grinch or whether it's someone like Ebenezer Scrooge who goes back a little further in the Christmas lexicon of characters, the existence of grumpy and hateful people at Christmas seems to be the antithesis of what Christmas should be all about. It should be a time of love. Christmas should be a time of peace. It should be a time of hope and joy and, and giving. So what's up with all these bah humbug grumpy grumpkins who just want to go around kicking cats and knocking the ice cream off of little kitty cones and making life miserable for everyone? But rather than us, you know, just seeing the fruit of these miserable people, we know that they're miserable and we cast them aside, I think, too often as damaged goods as we see them as deplorable, we see them as irreparable, we see them as not worthy of our time. But as Christians, wouldn't it be wiser? Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be more Christ-like? Wouldn't it be more loving to take the time to understand why they are how they are? The answer, of course, is yes, it would. You know, at the end of the Grinch's story, if you're familiar with it, Dr. Seuss wrote this back in the 1950s. The Grinch actually had a place at the festive Christmas table at the end of the story. Where he actually was embraced and he was given actually the great honor of carving the roast beasts. What a happy conclusion to what was a sad beginning. Now... You may know someone just like this, or maybe even to hit a little closer to home, maybe your heart has kind of turned grinchy during the holiday season over the years. You didn't start out that way. Neither did the Grinch, by the way. But life and circumstances have caused you to veer off into this ditch of grinchiness, and you find it hard to get back on track. But I want to encourage you today that there's a place for you at the festive Christmas table as well, just as there was for the Grinch. Your story isn't finished. The chapters of your life are still being written. Right now, it may be tough. Right now, it may feel like that there's no hope. Right now, you're deep in a tunnel of frustration and despair, and there's not even a glimmer of light at the end of that tunnel that you're in. But life goes on, and then here's Christmas again, and it's just too much. What we go through, and then let's add Christmas on top of it, and it just makes us grumpy and grunchy. But life goes on. I don't want you to lose hope here today, because there is light at the end of your tunnel. And by the way, that light is not called December the 26th, okay? So today I want us to take a journey together. Talk to some of you who might be feeling a little bit of grumpy grinchiness in your life. And I want us to explore our hearts for a bit this morning. 
And I want to find out why maybe the Grinch has crept in and caused us to feel the way that we do about the spirit and the purpose of what Christmas is really all about. I want you to invite right now the Holy Spirit to come and help you and I to work on your blind spots. Would you write down blind spots if you're taking notes? Because all of us have blind spots. Every single one of us, all of us in this place, everyone listening has a blind spot. Now, it's not a sin to have blind spots. It's called being human. We struggle, all of us, with the issues of life. There's circumstances beyond our control. And also there's situations that are of our own doing. And everything between all those things that are beyond our control and the things of our own doing, sometimes they make us not want to do, they make us actually want to do what the Grinch did. In fact, I want to show you another scene here because too often I think we want to do this uh, like the Grinch did. And this was from the Jim Carrey version of the Grinch, if you will. It's a real quick scene. Dim the lights, if you will. And watch this. Bless his heart. Max is watching his, his master just beat himself senseless with those symbols. And what the Grinch was doing at that point, if you're familiar with that movie, was that the, 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 the residents down in Whoville were making joyful, making joyful noise. They were singing. They were making merry because of Christmas. And the Grinch couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand all the happy, joyous sounds. And so he put his hand between that giant monkey playing the cymbals just to drown out the noise of the, of the merriment and the joy that was echoing up the canyon into his mountain hole. You know, these symbols for us can manifest themselves in many forms. Some of us medicate ourselves into calmness, hoping that if we can just take the necessary prescribed drugs, that it'll help us to get through the holidays or some sort of other medication, some sort of alcohol or whatever. Some of us distract ourselves with busyness. We just try to stay busy. And if we can just keep ourselves going and keep our hand to the task at hand and Christmas will eventually go away. The symbols just keep clashing between us, making that distracting noise. And some of us maybe we're just like ostriches who just stick our head in the sand and ig ignore what's going on around us. And even though it, we're sticking our head in the sand, <laughs> it's still going on around us. The blind spots don't go away. They're still there waiting for us. When our efforts to hold them at bay are exhausted. You may say this morning, Pastor, I don't have any blind spots. Well, ironically, yes, you do. The very nature of you saying you don't tells me <laughs> that you do. We all have blind spots. Why do you think they call them blind spots? The very definition of blind spots is that we don't know that we have them. We're in denial. We're deflecting them we ignore them we excuse them away but where we can't see the blind spots in our life we certainly can see the fruit of our blind spots and we don't like the fruit one bit and spoiler alert the people around us don't like the fruit either so what is it about christmas that sets you off what is it 
about Christmas that you don't like? Why don't you like Christmas? What is it? Why is it such a difficult time of the year for you? Many people actually get depressed at Christmas time. Instead of it being the most wonderful time of the year, it's the most sorrowful time of the year. A lot of suicides take place at Christmas time. Elvis Presley sang about having a blue Christmas without the one that he loves back in the 50s. You know, that one? You thought I was going to sing the whole thing. Okay, no, I'm kidding. You know, it's become a very popular song over the years. Because people can resonate with the sadness that the season brings. Christmas songs that should bring joy and comfort actually do the opposite to those who struggle with Christmas. Proverbs 25.20 actually talks about this. It says that like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Think about that. Or like vinegar poured on soda. What does that do? Is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. You ever try to cheer someone up or encourage someone and all it does is it seems to make things worse? Go away. Be quiet. Leave me alone. Stop singing. Stop trying to cheer me up. Maybe even while we were singing the songs this morning in our time of worship, maybe it didn't bring you comfort and joy, but instead it brought you sadness and depression because it just reminds you of some things that you'd rather not be reminded about. You know, the Grinch closed his ears and tried to drown out the happy music because he had a heavy, hurt-filled, closed-up heart. Now, the story describes it as a heart being shriveled up. We understand this to be that all the hope and all the joy and all the love and all the beauty of Christmas had been just sucked out of his heart because of the circumstances of life that have just drained him dry. His hurt ruled his heart. And his hurt drove his decisions. He had blind spots that he never dealt with. Think about probably the most ultimate Grinch of the Christmas story with some major blind spots is King Herod. King Herod. If you read Matthew chapter 2, the entire, pretty much the entire chapter talks about how these wise men came to Herod from afar. They followed the star and they came to find the baby Jesus so they, they could worship him. And they went to, to Herod and said, do you know where this, this child is so that we can worship him? King Herod, upon hearing this story from the wise men, immediately felt threatened. And he devised a plan. King Herod asked the wise men to go find the child. And once they did, to come back and tell King Herod so that he too might go and worship him. In reality, King Herod wanted to find out where baby Jesus was so he could go and kill his competition. After the wise men found Jesus and worshipped him, they were warned in a dream to not return to King Herod. So they returned home by another route. Then the angel also then warned Joseph to take his family, baby Jesus and Mary, to Egypt for a period of time until the threat of Herod had passed. Once the king had realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, and also once he found out from his Bible scholars where and when the baby Jesus was to be born, he did something so awful. He ordered all of the boys two years and under in Bethlehem to be killed. And they were. King Herod's insecurities and lust for power were his blind spots. 
And it caused the king to act out in such an evil way and to bring destruction on an entire community as countless babies were killed and heartbroken families were devastated. I think about in the Old Testament, another, another example of someone with a grinchy small heart and some awful blind spots was a man by the name of Jonah. An entire book was written in the Old Testament that told his story. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. Jonah was a Jew and he hated the people of Nineveh who were not Jews. And then the people of the Ninevites uh, were, were the, Israel, the Israelites' arch, arch enemies. They were evil. They were godless. They were heathen people who had no regard for God. They had no regard for holy living. And God told Jonah that he was going to punish and destroy the Ninevites. And um, Jonah actually thought that was a wonderful thing. He was thrilled with that. But then God told Jonah, I, I need you to go and warn them. I want you to give them one more chance. I want to give them one more chance. And you're my mouthpiece. But Jonah didn't like that one bit. Jonah thought that that was not fair. It didn't set well with Jonah, all, at, Jonah at all. He wanted to see the people of Nineveh suffer. He wanted to see them be destroyed. He wanted to see them fry. He thought that God's original plan was great. Well, we all know the story. Jonah finally, reluctantly, through much persuasion by God and the intervention of a giant fish, half-heartedly went to the Ninevites and warned the Ninevites as God had asked him to. And sure enough, as Jonah predicted, the Ninevites responded by repenting. And then God relented his wrath, much to Jonah's despair. Jonah's heart was so shriveled up that he couldn't even rejoice that God spared Nineveh. Talk about a grinchy heart. His vengeance and his anger and his prejudice became blind spots for him. Now, this morning I'm not saying that any of these character qualities of Herod or Jonah are in us. But I'm saying that we all have blind spots. And they cause us to act out in ways that are certainly not in the best interest of the kingdom of God and are certainly not reflective of who Jesus is. You may not have any of these poor blind spots in these two men, but there's something there. There's something in our hearts. So I ask you, what is your blind spot? We all have blind spots. We all have issues that bring out the grinchiness in us, the, the things that are not pleasant, the things that are the fruit of our hearts that are just like, really, why did I say, do, or think that? You know? Dr. Seuss is an original story from the 1950s, never really tells us why the Grinch hated Christmas. If you read the book, it's a very short story. He never explained why his heart was so shriveled up. Now, that scene that we saw with Jim Carrey playing the Grinch in the 1999 version takes some liberties with the backstory of the Grinch, of how he was treated as a child so cruelly. But I'd like to go back, if we will, to leaving it an open-ended question as Dr. Seuss originally wrote it in, 19, in the 1950s. Because, you see, leaving it open-ended gives us the opportunity to put ourselves in his shoes and fill in our own blanks as to why we're so grinchy. So how can we identify our blind spots today? 
What do we do with this? How can we see the things that we can't or choose not to see? And it's as practical and really challenging as this. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Spirit of Christ. Listen to the words of Christ to you and me today. This is in the message. I love the way that it translates out. So listen to this starting in verse 12 of John 16. Jesus telling the disciples and telling us, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, I love the capital F friend, the friend, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand, I love this, and guide you into all the truth that there is. He won't draw attention to himself, no, but will make sense out of me, out of what is about to happen, rather, and indeed out of all that I have done and said. He will honor me, and he will take from me and deliver it to you. There's three things here in this passage that I want to talk about for just a few moments about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and how he can be such a wonderful companion to us today. Let's talk about this for just a second. First, in our passage, it says that the Holy Spirit is our friend. Have you ever thought about the Holy Spirit being your friend? You know what a friend is, right? Someone who hangs out with you, someone who has things in common with you, someone who enjoys your company, someone who's got your back, someone who supports you, someone who's there for you no matter what in your time of need. That's a a friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a friend. You know, the Grinch here, he sure needed a friend. Max, bless his heart. He did his best. He tried. But Max found it difficult to overcome his master's hardened heart. Sometimes it's hard to be a friend to someone. I understand that. Who keeps maybe struggling in their lives. You try to still keep being there for them and they just, they just, it's just hard to be a friend to some, some people sometimes. And we don't always get it right, I understand that, but let me just encourage you to still be a friend to those that are difficult to be a friend to. It's always good to be present. It's always good to keep trying, amen? Be a friend. But I can tell you this, that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend that will never leave you. Jesus is a friend that never, that never will forsake you. Jesus is a friend that will never give up on you. Jesus is a friend that will never fail you. And Jesus is a friend that will never disappoint you. And the Holy Spirit points us to the friend that we have in Jesus. You may not feel like you have a friend in the world today. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit will take you by the hand and He will lead you to Jesus. Jesus is our dependable, trustworthy, and constant friend. Call on Him. Call on Jesus. Call on Jesus when you need to regularly. Call on Him repeatedly. Call on Him honestly. He can take it. He understands. He's there for you. Second, we see in our passage that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. When you pour out your heart honestly to the Lord, He's going to speak truth into your heart. 
The Holy Spirit's going to remind you of the promises that are found in that precious Bible that you're holding in your hands. The Holy Spirit will point us to the God of all truth. And also, I, I got to say this. When He speaks truth to you, sometimes He speaks correction to us, doesn't He? Sometimes he, he admonishes us. That means he speaks kind of firmly to us. He also rebukes us at times, doesn't he? But all of it is lovingly. It's never out of anger. It's never out of hate. He's not offended. He's not disappointed. He's not impatient with you. He's not upset. He wants you to do well. And so he speaks correction into our hearts, but it's always with love. He rebukes me. Oh, God, thank you for your rebukes. I'd rather have the rebuke of a friend than the lies of an enemy, you know? Proverbs. I want someone to speak the truth in my life, and I know that God's word is truth. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to my path. He speaks truth to us. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Third, in our passage, we see that the Holy Spirit points us always to Jesus. Always, always, always. I love this in Isaiah 9, 6. It gives us this magnificent list of titles of who Jesus is. In fact, it's a prophetic verse that describes Jesus before, as he, was, as he will be on the earth back in Isaiah's days, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. It's a very familiar scripture to us at Christmas time. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And listen to this. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit is pointing us to our Wonderful Counselor at all times. He's pointing us to the altogether mighty one. His name is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is pointing us to the eternally everlasting King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is pointing us to our perfect Prince of Peace. Do you need those things in your life today? Might they overcome your grinchiness? Possibly. Jesus is our all-sufficient one. Jesus is all that we need. And he will bring healing to our hurting and grinchy hearts. We speak the name of Jesus. You know, I, I think about the story of the Grinch. And buddy, as much as you tried to stop Christmas from coming, it still came, didn't it? You took all the toys, all the decorations, the who feast, the pudding, and all the food, and the refrigerator, everything. All the way down to that little crumb that you took from that mouse. You're so mean. But guess what? Christmas still came, didn't it? Christmas still came. Let me just say to you this morning, how does that apply to our lives? Well, in this way, I think. If you take everything in your life today that makes you so grinchy, all of your past hurts, all of your current struggles, all of your fears for tomorrow, everything that you've done to yourself and everything that's happened to you and everything in between. If you take all of that stuff that's making you so grinchy about Christmas 
and really I might say about life. You're just a grumpy person. You take all of that and then you try to drown it out. You try to medicate it. You try to distract yourselves away and you, you try to stop Christmas from coming. And I'm not talking about December the 25th. I'm talking about the significance of what that day represents for the world and for the universe. You take all that stuff and you try to drown it out and you try to stop Christmas. But I'm here to tell you today that the grace of Christmas is still going to come. It's still here and it can still be heard if you listen. Or as Dr. Seuss so eloquently said, as the Grinch came to himself, as he listened to the villagers joyfully singing below, the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes or bags. And as he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore, then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? And at that moment, as the light bulb went off in his mind, as the reality of what Christmas was all about, his heart changed. And as we read in the story, it was at that realization that the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. He was restored. He was renewed. He was set aright. He was rescued. His heart was full again. Let's put ourselves in that story for just a moment. The Holy Spirit, our friend, the Spirit of truth, the one that is pointing us to Jesus, the one that showed us our blind spots and helped us to repent and let go of the things that caused our hearts to shrivel. And if you allow the reality and the grace of Christmas to come into your heart again, you can become full again with the wonder and the glory and the grace that is Christmas. I'm here to encourage you today that no one is too grinchy that their hearts can't be healed and restored and grow. Can I remind you again of what Christmas is all about? It's God's grace. Christmas is all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace to mankind. It's all about God's grace to you and to me today. It's about God through His Son, Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross of Calvary. Providing us a place at the festive Christmas table. We don't deserve a place at that table. You know that? I don't. You don't. There's nothing we did to earn it. We don't even deserve an invitation to the feast. But we have one. Because of God's grace. An invitation is written in the blood of Jesus. And it's sealed with His love. And one day... Instead of clasping hands around the town square singing Fahu Fores, Dahu Dores. Don't even know what that means. Instead, we'll be gathered as a great multitude. 
Like the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder around the throne of God, shouting and singing a song of the redeemed as described in Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 and 7. It says, hallelujah. This is what we'll be saying. Hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. I look to that day. I long for that day. And that day will happen soon. We're going to gather around the throne of grace, shouting praises to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords, honoring Him for the grace that He's bestowed on us. No matter what we've done, no matter the condition of our shriveled up hearts, no matter how grinchy we've become today, there's still hope in our past, there's still hope in our present, there's still hope in our future. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, again out of the message. I like the way that this is put, just to kind of give it a different flavor. We're familiar with it in the traditional sense, but this one's a little more fleshed out, gives us a different angle to it. Listen to it. Out of sheer generosity, God put us in right standing with Himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. Wow. He did it by the means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. Having faith in Him sets us in the clear. Thank God for His grace that He gave us His Son. You know, the Who's in Whoville chose to forgive the Grinch. You ever thought about that? They chose to forgive the Grinch. They embraced the Grinch. They even gave him a featured place at the Christmas table. They gave this awful person a sharp knife. After all, he did. And he cut the roast beast. And Jesus does the same for you and I today. So I ask you this morning, won't you give the Lord your grinchy heart. Give Him your hurt. Give Him your frustrations. Give Him your, I don't know, your anger, your struggles, whatever it is. It's brought you to the place where you're more bah humbug than Merry Christmas. Let Him take your shriveled up heart. Even if it's just a little bit shriveled, you kind of feel like you're leaning that way. Let him take it and let him grow it three times its size today. And let's rekindle the wonder of the grace that is Christmas. It's not just for you, buddy, that it can happen. It can happen for anybody who comes to that place of reality. I want to tell you this morning that there's a place at the festive Christmas table for you today. You ever think you'd hear a message about the Grinch and relate it to Christmas in this way? If not, you just did. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask you this morning something, and this is maybe for you watching at home as well, but I want you to imagine that there's this banqueting table up here with some delicious, heavenly, unbelievably perfect and beautiful food that God has prepared. And that food is not 
turkey and dressing and all that. It's, it's spiritual food. It's, it's something that will refresh us and heal our hearts and strengthen us and make us more like Christ. It's, it's, it's coming to the banqueting table and feasting on His goodness, feasting on His love, feasting on His healing, feasting on His strength, feasting on all that we need to take that grinchy heart, that shriveled up heart, and make it full again. Now, I'm going to stand here, by the way, and I would love for anybody that would want to join me to come to the table, come to the banqueting table, come to the festive table, come as the, at the invite of the Holy Spirit, and come and get filled. If Christmas is eating your lunch, you don't like it one bit, and you're tired of being a Grinch, why don't you come on up? This table is spread for you today, and I want us to all pray together. Would you come? Lord, even if I'm the only one here today, Lord, as we come to this banqueting table today, and we stand before you, and we're tired. Family issues, as we just are coming out of Thanksgiving, and we're about ready to pinch someone's head off again. That uncle, that aunt, that cousin, that son-in-law, daughter-in-law, that child, that whoever. The stress of Christmas, the sadness of Christmas, the frustration that is here that should not be part of what Christmas is. Lord, I, I pray that as we come before your banqueting table, that we would take and receive from you this morning what it is that you have for us. That it's, it's food for our souls it, as we consume that, that it heals us, that it restores us. Won't you just right now, if you're standing before the banqueting table, if you want to act like you're doing it, act it out, or you just want to receive it in your heart, but I want you to start consuming right now that healing food, that nourishment from the Lord. Now, Lord, we give you our grinchy hearts. The things that have caused it to shrivel up over the years is not pleasing to you. It's a blind spot in our lives. Whatever it is, Lord, we give you that blind spot. Show us, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth. Uh, reveal to us those blind spots and then help us to confess them. To be honest with ourselves and honest with you. <laughs> we can't lie to you anyway. You know it. So why would we lie? We'd be honest with ourselves is the most important thing. And we, we give you these hurtful things, this grinchy stuff, these blind spots. Lord, we don't want them to be blind anymore. We don't want to see the fruit of it anymore that impacts not only our lives, but those around us in a negative way. Our loved ones, our co-workers, total strangers alike. Lord, we want to be a reflection and a representation of you. So Lord, we give you our grinchy hearts, our hurt hearts, our shriveled up hearts right now. And Lord, as we consume now your grace, your healing, your strength, your help, your peace, your love, your joy, the things that we need, we consume them now. But whatever it is, as you're standing here, you know what you need. If you're depressed, ask for his joy. If you're angry, ask for his love. If you're holding unforgiveness, ask for his forgiveness. If you're impatient, ask for his patience. You know what it is. And just confess it to him right now. Just confess it. I, I, I can't say what it is in your heart because I don't know your heart. But the Holy Spirit is revealing it to you right now. He's revealing truth to you right now. 
And he's saying, all right, this is it. Or these are the things that are making you so grinchy. Confess them. Confess those sins. Confess those blind spots, those things that are not pleasing to the Lord, that are ruining your witness, that are causing you to not be full at Christmas and really throughout the year. Go ahead, say them out loud. Say them under your breath. Say them in your heart, but say them now. Give them to the Lord right now. Lay it at the table. Lay it at the table and then pick up the nutrition and the healing and the strength and the help from Him that is right there in front of you. Feast at His banqueting table. His help, His strength, His life, His healing, His joy, His peace, His love, His power. All that, he need, all that you need is found in Him. He's our all-sufficient one. Jesus, you're our all-sufficient one. We consume you. We consume who you are. We consume your character qualities. Holy Spirit, make us more like Christ. We leave this place, Lord, in just a little bit. We thank you, Lord, that you're taking our shriveled up hearts, our hurt hearts, and making them three sizes the size that they need to be. Bursting with your love. Bursting with who you are and all that you represent, not just at Christmas time, but 365 days out of the year. Lord, I thank you today. Would you just give him thanks right now for the work that he has done, is doing, and will continue to do in your hearts? Yeah. See, so see, folks, as you're standing here before this table, he is doing a work he started a work. He's initiated a work right now, you see? But it's not finished. It's a process. He's sanctifying you. He's making you more like himself. In your thoughts, in your words, in your deeds. He's, he's allowing these things to happen in your life. Not to destroy you. Not to defeat you. Not to, not to make you all shriveled up and grinchy. But to really expose those things so that you can give them to the Lord. And he can turn them around and make them more like who he is. These blind spots are really blessings in disguise because it helps us to be more like Jesus. So know this, folks, as you're standing before this banqueting table, don't leave the banqueting table. Let it go with you. Consume what he has to bring healing to you. Let him, let him be the balm. Let him be the salve. Let him be the, the wonderful oil that pours over you. Let, him, let the Holy Spirit remind you of these things as those feelings come up, as those words want to come up, as those thoughts are there, that the Holy Spirit would prompt you and say, wait a minute, now you gave that to the Lord at the altar just a few moments ago, just yesterday, just last week. You don't, don't revisit it. Don't invite it back in. Don't be like that. And let the Holy Spirit deal with you to make you more like Jesus. Let this be the beginning point, in other words, of a journey of sanctification as He, the Holy Spirit, makes you more like Christ. Holy Spirit, we yield to you our tongues. Holy Spirit, we yield to you our, our minds. Holy Spirit, we yield to you our, our actions. We yield to you, Holy Spirit, our motives. We give you everything about us. Our grinchy hearts, we're tired of it. We want to be joyful. <laughs> we want to sing joy to the world and mean it. We, 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 want, we want to sing these songs and mean it. We, we want to reflect on what Christmas is all about. Not just about the presents and the busyness and the decorations and all that. But about the grace that has come through Jesus Christ to this earth. We thank you for the grace of God through Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for the gift of salvation that began in a lowly manger. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you today. We honor you today, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Jesus, go with us from here. Holy Spirit, go with us from here. Rule our minds. Rule our hearts. Take charge. Yeah. We give you the reins of our minds and the reins of our heart and the reins of our lives. Take control. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And all God's people said amen.